we will not want because we know the great shepherd. His name is Jesus Christ, and he does not change. Well, hey, man, we are here and we are rallied together to make much of Jesus Christ. It is all about him. It is constantly about him. May we lift his name up. And all of God's people said? So we're in a series here. It's called, simply put, him greater. Greater, Jesus, my passion. Greater, Jesus, my passion. And our job is to be able to live for him. What does it mean to recognize all that he's giving, all that he is, all that he's going after, and to live for him, right? Jesus, my passion, as we run after him in Hebrews 12 and 13, looking at the different commands and the different callouts for us to respond to the God who has it all in hand. The God who is the Son of God, who is our hope, come into this world. He is the Lamb's sacrifice for us. He is the one who died on the cross, rose again, and we have life because of him. And he is the one who stepped into the presence of the Father, offered up that sacrifice that we might be forgiven. He is our high priest. Man, he is crying out on your behalf daily. That's who our God is. So how can we live for him? That's what we're diving into. That's what we're looking at. So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 1. And remember, this is coming on the heels of a statement that said, man, God is going to be building that which is unshakable. He is building an eternity. He is working in our souls. He is taking us through to heaven and we will have life with him. We shall not want. Man, just as the offertory song was saying there, what a huge celebration. Unshakable for all of eternity. That's where God is taking us. And some of this broken down world, he will be shaken down hard. And he's going to be turning it upside down and walking us into glory. May God get all the praise. And so there's a response we should have to it. Here we go. Let's start it out. Point number one. He says, let's make sure we love others as a worship response to knowing the God who is love. Man, our God who is love pouring into our life and he's calling us to partner with him and be that echo in this world. And in this broken down, shaken world, may we teach our God who builds an unshakable future. May they hear of that hope from us. He says, love others as a worship response to knowing the God who is love. So here we go. Point number one starts with verse number one. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as, those, as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated since you are in the body. Let's just hold right there. He says, let brotherly love continue. Now, just so you know, the command in this phrase right here is the word continue. The command is not love. They're already doing that. They've got that down. They're loving one another. They're caring for one another. The church that was being written to by the author of Hebrews was beginning to care very well for each other and praise God with all they had. Yes, they had a love going on, but he's like, continue that love. Don't lose that. Maybe you want to picture it this way. Picture like a head coach, since it's football season and we just had the kickoff, right? Picture a head coach, whistle in hand, blowing the whistle and screaming out, yes, 
That, right there, keep that up. Yes, do that more. That's what he's talking about. He's like, yes, love and continue in that love. Nice job is what he's really saying. And keep it going. Don't lose track. Love, being able to put yourself sacrificially out there to care for another that they might actually truly sense the presence of God with them. You being able to be that message. And he says, uh, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. He's like, don't lose sight of the privilege of being able to show hospitality to even those you don't know. Like, let brotherly love continue. They were doing really well at naturally caring for those they knew, family they knew, and caring for the church. But he's like, make sure you're hospitable even to those you don't know. Hospitable, being able to share of your home, of your time, even a little bit of your money. Hospitality, being able to share a little bit of you with others that you may not even know. In this case, notice it's phrased a little bit in the negative form. He's like, don't neglect this. Picture that same head coach with the whistle, and he just got done saying, yes, that, keep it up. Now he blows the whistle and he goes, not so much that. Knock that off. We got to go this way, head like this. In other words, he's saying, man, don't let your love be limited to just the ones you know. Make sure your love begins to spread beyond the ones you know to rock the world of people you might even consider stranger or at least acquaintance along the way. Being able to be caring and stating that with your life, right? If we know the God who is love and he's pouring into our lives and that fills us up and starts to spill out, we are naturally going to be loving towards others and hospitable. He's like, make sure you are doing that. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. He says, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Like as you're starting to care for people that you don't know, you might actually be caring For somebody who was sent by God, an angel, literally it is talking about a spiritual being from the heavens who is present on this earth, looks like stranger to you, and you care for them in a moment. I got to be honest, most of us don't think that way. Like, are we really thinking, I wonder how many angels are sitting in this room right now? Some of you are like, not next to me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the reality is we don't know and we don't exactly even know what he's talking about and in some level this idea of spiritual beings being sent down to this earth and interacting with us the word angel literally means messenger so just so you know this can also be human beings who you may not know but God has brought them right time right place with a message God loves you Now, it actually is very much implying the spiritual being and the impact there, but God invested in this world. Don't miss out. And he's like, just so we're clear, when angels are there, when a messenger is there, when somebody that God has sent, human or spiritual, in your life, there's a blessing that you receive in the midst of that. He's like, do you understand that as you partner with and as you care for, God has brought that person to you to blow you away? Like, make sure you are recognizing the privilege you have of caring and even caring for those 
who might be specifically sent by God himself. He says, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. Remember, like keep them in mind. Don't forget what they're going through. Remember them, care for them, pray for them, care for their extended families. He's like, remember those that are in prison as though you were in prison with them, as though you daily were seeing them and you were remembering them that often in that way and be able to care along the way. And being able to care for those who have been put in prison very well could mean, and they're there because they should have been. But don't forget them. Pray for them. Long for them. Long that they begin to see a transition in their lives. They get to know God in a way they never did before. Care for their extended family who are in a world of hurt. And may we be actively caring for those who are wrestling. And here it specifically is talking about prison, meaning that physical prison from doing something wrong. But honestly, in this broken down world and trapped in many ways, and, and may we have a heart of compassion for those who are hurting. And all of God's people said, huge call out, remember those who are in prison, take care, take time to be able to care for those around you. And even those who you might recall and be able to pray for and reach out to extended family of where they are in a world of hurt because of jail time. May God get all the glory. He says, and those who are mistreated. Now this word goes the other way. Somebody in prison may be there because they should have been there, but the mistreated, clearly it's built into the word, but they shouldn't have been treated that way. It was wrong to have treated them that way. Mistreated. Right? In fact, this same word is used in Hebrews 11, 37. It's just a few uh, verses back and uh, back into chapter 11. And it's talking about those who were living by faith. And it actually used these words. It said those who were stoned, those who were beaten, those who were sawn in two, those who were mistreated. That word goes with that list. Like looking for those who are being mistreated because they have taken a stand for Christ because they have a faith in Jesus and it's washing bad on their shore in some way. Like considering who that is and praying for them and reaching out to them, being a friend to them, or maybe even more, as you recognize the struggle and the heartache they're going through. And it says, since you are in the body. Now, this statement, since you are like, basically, dude, you have a body. You know what it is to go through physical pain. You know what they must be feeling even just a little bit. Feel it with them, right? And maybe you've even gone through it yourself. Feel it with them, whether it's empathy or sympathy. Come along together and care for those who are hurting deeply. And in this case, mistreated like somebody's coming after them, and usually the implication is because they took a stand for Jesus and it's getting bad. In this world of cancel culture, get ready. This needs to be this church. This needs to be each of us ready to take a stand by each other's side. If someone's being mistreated, we are right there with you. We love you. We're in this together. And all of God's people said, and don't miss it. This is a huge call out. That yes, we love those we know. Yes, we even reach out to the strangers we don't. Yes, we reach out to those in prison and those who are mistreated since, yes, we know what it is to struggle. 
And then he turns a little bit of a corner. He says, let marriage be held in high honor among all. He's like, now let's talk about the ones you know the best. Let marriage be held in high honor among all. Like, make sure that you care for your wives, husbands. Make sure that you love your wife with all you've got. Make sure you love sacrificially. Make sure you're pouring it on. Make sure that you know that you are definitely saying, this wife of mine will be loved and cared for. Intentionally, purposefully, practically caring along the way. Set the tone in the home. Husbands, that is our job to lead that way. Protect that home. Protect your wives. And wives, it says in the same chapter, Ephesians 5, respect your husbands. Show a care. Show an appreciation. Show an honoring in the midst of. May there be a team together as you two together show what it is for Christ to be working with the church. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 5. That marriage between a husband and a wife is actually modeling Christ and the church. Man, may your marriage begin to show that thunderous relationship. Really let that settle. All too often, we let marriage drift into the thing that annoys us because it's not going quite the way we would have wanted and fill in the blank. Everybody say, that's a terrible plan. And God is asking for that to be the everyday reminder of this is me with the church and I'm pouring it in. And as he loves sacrificially, so we must, husbands, and set the tone. May our marriages be on fire for Christ. Man, the worst thing we could do as a church is we love strangers well, but don't love my wife. Not that plan. May we pour into our homes and care with all we've got. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, yeah, sobering call outs as he moves from the ones we know the best to the ones we barely know. But he says then, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. In other words, he's saying there is a privilege of a sexual relationship together between husband and wife. And man, that physical relationship together, that intimacy can be a great celebration of what's going on in the home. Make sure that's what's happening. Sexuality, it can be so easy to take that outside the home. Maybe you're not married and it's just sex has become something that is a part of life before marriage. He's saying, hold on. Hold on for marriage. Let that be an unbelievable place of expression of your joy for another and the physical relationship that you can have. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's absolutely, stunningly, gloriously worshipful. Hold on. Make sure that we wait for that. Make sure we're going after that. And for those that are married men, make sure that the sexuality stays within the home. Make sure that it doesn't drift out beyond the walls of the home to another. That's adultery. But he actually uses other words here. He says, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. And let's be careful about the sex drive that we have and how we let that be expressed. It is the sweet privilege that we have. God has built us together so that, picture a triangle. Bottom of the triangle is this deep spiritual connection with our God. This massive power connection with our God. And as a husband and a wife both have that with their God, on fire for Jesus Christ, that is the base of a phenomenal marriage, right? The spiritual peace. And then the next level up is the relational. Now it starts to get to be with one another. 
this depth with each other, this caring for each other, this laughing together, this understanding our weaknesses and understanding our strengths and working together for a lifetime, relational. And as the spiritual and the relational come together, the physical is such a natural celebration of it. It is the pinnacle of the triangle, that physical intimacy. He's like, live your marriage that way. Make sure the spiritual's on fire. Make sure the relational is lighting it up. Make sure the physical is a great celebration of it. Man, the world takes that triangle, turns it upside down, tries to stand it on the point. Let's start with sexuality. If that works a little bit, maybe we'll go to relationship. If that works and we're getting along really well, maybe then we'll start to share a little bit of our spiritual endeavors, maybe. That's the world's view. Man, don't let it get turned upside down. Make sure that it starts with your passionate following of God. Make sure that it's continuing into a deep relationship with one another and let that physical intimacy with your spouse be a massive worship celebration. Make sure that sex is actually considered worship in your home. Please hear me on that. This is a gift from God. It's not something that God is actually kind of ashamed of or trying to separate from. It is the center of all the celebration of your oneness. Make sure that the marriage and the marriage bed are on fire for worshiping Jesus Christ and caring for each other. And all of God's people said, it's a pretty direct call out, right? May we go after it together. May there be a love and a hospitality and a care. May we truly care even within our own home. May God get all the glory. So I'm just gonna ask you a question. It's a question that I never thought I'd ask from the front. I'm not actually looking for an answer. You can answer privately, okay? But here's the question. Have you ever seen an angel and been hospitable to an angel? Have you ever had your world rocked by an angel visiting as a messenger, right? I'll just tell you, my answer would be, um, um, well, honestly, maybe once. And um, I've never shared this story before publicly, but um, I was in school at the U of I. I was in engineering school. You know, I was an engineer for 17 years, right? So I was in engineering school getting my degree, and I was a senior, and um, I got a call that my sister, who was 20 years old, three years younger than me, um, had had an aneurysm, and she was down at a hospital. So I needed to grab everything, grabbed books, grabbed stuff, flew home, ran, drove home fast, that's what I meant, from the U of I up to Chicago, and uh, got up there and um, connected up. They got me down to Northwestern Hospital. And as I walked in, kind of ready for a weekend of battle and prayer and hoping for the best, I walked in and my mom came up to me at the elevator and she said, um, Steph didn't make it. They're calling her. Um, brain dead at this point. We're going to give it a little bit of time and we're going to try some things, but it's not looking good. And through the rest of that day, it was horrible, as you can imagine, and it ended with um, my dad having to make one of the most rough decisions I've ever watched somebody have to make and talking to them and sharing through them, saying, okay, we're going to trust God and we're going to go ahead and shut the machine machines down. And uh, as the decision was made, we went home 
And I sat by the phone until, I don't know, 10 or 11 at night going, come on, God, it's time to rock the world. It's time for us to get the call that says, we don't get it. She like is sitting up and talking. That's what we're waiting for. And, and God had a different plan in mind. And, um, and Stephanie passed away that day. And um, we ended up having the funeral the next week, family all coming in. I'm, we, it was a blur, right? You get done with that week and I have to go back to school. And it's like almost finals week. And so I'm getting back to school and I'm trying to re-engage and I took a few days and I'm trying to study and I'm a week behind and it's not going well. I'm, I'm just blown away. And I'm finally like on a Friday night, I can't do this anymore. At midnight, I got up, I got out of my apartment and I went for a long walk uh, to an area I probably shouldn't have gone to. It wasn't a great place. And as I was walking down the street, I just was like, I'm, I'm done with this. And I sat down on the curb and I wept. I said, God, I can't handle it anymore. And um, as I'm sitting there kind of taking it in, I hear voices coming down the street. And I look over and three unbelievably huge, tall guys are coming down the street. And I'm like, great, get beat up. That'll add to the night, you know? That's and I'm... So I'm sitting there on the curb, and as they come up, I'm like, I'm just not even, I know I'm in a bad part of town. I'm just not even going to connect eyes. And as they come up a little closer, I just glance up, and, and um, you know, there's a couple of black guys and a white guy, and they are unbelievably tall, and uh, probably basketball players or whatever, and as they, is my mind, and they come up, and I just look down, and I'm like, I'm not going to connect. And they stop right in front of me. And I'm like, all right, here we go, I'm gonna get beat up. And I glance up and the guy goes, dude, are you okay? I said, oh, no, no, I'm not. Here's what happened. And I told them what went down with my sister and they're like, wow, man, it's hard. And I noticed as he was standing there, there was just something about him, there was a, a calm, there was something inviting about him. And I noticed he had a book in his hand. And I said, dude, is that a Bible? And he said, yeah, it is. Do you know what the Bible is? And I said, yeah. And he goes, do you believe what it says? Yeah. And we had a little bit of the talk about the word of God. <laughs> and then he said, dude, just so you know, we never come down this street, but we decided to walk down this street. I don't know why. Let us pray for you. And so those guys stopped and laid their hands on and prayed over. And I can only tell you this, whether these are human beings who were sent by God or this is angels stepping in, I don't care. In that moment, there was a clear message from God saying, you are not alone. Hang on. Amen, man. Just hang in there. We're going to walk through this together. Over the next couple of weeks, and I'm not even going to go into how horrible getting through finals was, but ended up getting it black and getting the, the A, 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 A. I'm like, I can't even believe 
that God got me through the end of the semester and just ended up taking a break down. And I'm telling you, that whole walk has been life-altering. Man, I miss my sister like crazy. Can't wait to see her in heaven. Don't get me wrong, she was a punk at times. But I, but I love my sister. I can't wait to see her in heaven. And I'm telling you, God has a plan in this broken world. And we may have a chance to be that person with somebody else. You may be able to be in a hospitality moment where you're caring for the hurt and the heartache of another and they don't even know you. Are you ready to pour it on? You may even be in the presence of somebody doing that to you. Are you ready to receive it? Our God is a loving God and he's at work in this broken world. And all of God's people said, let's not miss it. Let's reach out with all we've got. Let's receive with all we have. God is truly working in supernatural ways. May God get all the glory. So simple question, who's God calling you to be reaching out to? Keep your eyes open, be ready to celebrate and care along the way. And all of God's people said, Point number two, be content. Be content with what God entrusts to you and lean on him as your helper. Be content with what God entrusts to you and lean on him as your helper. He says, keep your life free from the love of money. Please hear me. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, right? Make sure we grasp that, the love of money, the I have to have, the I want to own more, the it needs to be about my possessions and my whatever. And money is a tool. May we love Jesus and love others with it along the way. Ready? And all of God's people said. Huge call out, man. This is calling us to be wise in our stewardship, to have a budget and to live it. Maybe no greater time than to call out budgets than what's going on right now in America. Be careful, live wise, budget well. So let's just put four words down that need to be a part of your budget. You ready? First, give. Man, make sure you understand that God is over it all. He is giving into your life and it is a call for us to give back to him. May we worship our God as we give of a portion. Give to your God, first fruits giving, celebrating him with all you've got, give. Second word, live. Make sure you can pay for your bills and pay them well and wisely. Make sure you bring those in, you understand and you live. God is giving you what he's entrusted to you so that you might live and pay the bills you have. Now be wise to that, make the right decisions, make sure that you have invested into the right spots with the costs that are gonna be there so that you can pay for those. And then live with that money, may you be wise to that, right? And man, I'm telling you, as Costs of electricity are rising, all the rest. Be wise to how you spend your money. Live well. Give well. May God get all the glory. Here's the third one. Save. Save well. Make sure that you're saving a little bit for tomorrow. Make sure you're saving for retirement. Make sure you have a little bit of an understanding of plan. As God gives into your life, he's giving not just for today, but also for tomorrow. Be wise to that. Give, live, save and enjoy. That is a piece of it. Man, you'll be amazed if you go back and look at the Old Testament and you look at all that goes on with Israel and the calls to tithing. So much of it is used in celebration. 
enjoy. It is not wrong at all to be able to have a vacation planned as family, to be able to get out and get away, to even be able to do a little bit like a food out entertainment thing just to relax. Enjoy with what God has given you. That is a fantastic part of being able to celebrate God giving into your life, okay? God smiles as you smile, the reality, right? So make sure it's the whole plan, the give and the live and the save and the enjoy and be wise to it all. As we balance that, we end up with this really sweet power statement on not loving money, but seeing money as a tool for worship. And all of God's people said, he says, and be content with what you have. And to be content with what you have. Like if our budget starts to be blown out because we want, we're starting to have a problem, right? If we're living in excess in some way, be careful. We're starting to be discontented. This isn't a call to poverty. This is a call to stewardship, right? This isn't a call to poverty, like you should never have anything nice. He's not saying that. He's saying be wise about what you're stewarding based on what God's entrusted to you and live that well. And all of God's people said, and please hear that responsibility and that sweet call out, all right? Uh, There is a secret in this. Uh, Don't treat your wants as needs. Don't treat your wants as needs. It goes a long way in being able to help budget wisely, okay? And as you walk through it, may God truly get all the celebration. He says, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What you truly need is God alone. What you truly need is Christ pouring into your life and God making an impact and eternity set and God being able to shape you along the way. That's need. And everything else we walk through saying, Lord God, what are you entrusting and how does this work? May we wisely work through it. This is actually uh, him being quoted, Deuteronomy 31 verse eight. Uh, like, don't, uh, don't ever think that God is forsaking you or walking away from you. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. He says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is actually a quote from Psalm uh, 118, verse six. Psalm 118, verse six, and this is actually a song of triumph. They believe this was probably a song that was sung as they went to the Feast of Tabernacles that occurred every fall. So as they were walking to Jerusalem to celebrate and celebrate all that God is, they sang this song of triumph that said, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? As they're on a journey on the road, somebody might take them down. They're like, doesn't matter. I'm going to worship my God. Man, may we have this understanding that our God has this world in hand and we're trusting him. What can man do to me? All too often, the fear of man, the fear of mistreatment rises up and we start to let our worship shudder. And then he says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. He uses the same word remember that he just used for those in prison, right? I don't think he's talking about ministry being prison, right? But he is saying remember, remember them, care for them, pray for them, pray for their extended family to be able to care for those who are on the front lines war called ministry. May God get all the glory. He's like, remember those who were your leaders, those who were your pastors, your preachers, your teachers, maybe somebody you grew up with. Remember them, pray for them. Maybe it's now here and being able to recognize leadership and praying for and caring for along the way. 
And then he says, consider the outcome of their way of life. There are those who use this verse and they're like, look at how they serve God and health, wealth, and prosperity just pours down on them. That is a horrible misquote of this verse. This is actually saying, watch how God works in their life. Watch how God walks them through. As we end up following Christ as leadership, man, come with us, join with us, let's run together. By the way, you may wanna know, um, three brain surgeries, radiation treatment, right? Doing well, praise God, worshiping along the way, amen. But the concept of like, hey, let's just do this, it'll all be great. Everything is gonna be perfect, that's not what it's saying. It's saying whichever way it goes, however it goes, notice how God is raising them, growing them, strengthening them, empowering them. Are you ready to be in that plan? Are you ready to say, whatever washes on my shore, God, I'm ready to worship you, let's get this on. That's the call out. May we truly grasp the hope that's come in being able to celebrate our God, seeing the blessing that we can have of him in our life, even in the midst of the heartache and grief, God doing amazing, amazing things. And this side of heaven has its wobble. That side of heaven has none. May God get all the glory. We are ready to run with all we have towards that Jesus Christ and that heaven. Are you in? with Jesus Christ. May he truly get all the praise because my God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't on this side, I will worship him. And all of God's people said, amen, amen man. May we truly lift him up with all we've got. He says, imitate their faith. Don't just hear it, follow it. Let's truly run together after it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God never changes. We trust in him, we count on him. He has it all in hand. Let's worship him with thunderous worship. We will not want because we know the great shepherd. His name is Jesus Christ, and he does not change. It says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, teachings that in any way put man over God. Watch out. Teachings that in any way toy with evil and make it light and small. Watch out. And may we truly run hard after our God, recognizing his worth, not ours. He is worthy. Everybody say, he is worthy. And so we follow the God who is love. He is worthy. May we live for you, Lord. It says, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. There are so many people that were trying to make food the answer back even in Paul's day, even in Peter's day, even in Jesus' day. They were seeing people break down and try to make it about food. Right? And so let's be careful. Don't try to take the physical things and make that what it's all about. It is all about Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory. He is worthy. And so I will live for him. Everybody just say he is worthy. And so we live for him. Let's pray. 